My name is Kate Watson. I'm here with Leslie, my life guru. How are you doing? Great. Awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Actually, I was good. Um, right now I'm heated. I'm smiling, but I'm. it's like a funny heated, I guess. But um, So folks, Leslie and I often record a few episodes in one sitting, and we, we just recorded one and took a little break, and we're in my office in Philadelphia, and I went out to like the main lobby area, and a gentleman... No, not a gentleman. A person. <laughs> Ungentle a, a person approached me, and just like this, he said, oh, actually, he kind of ran across the lobby, waving me down, and he said, hi, 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 um, can you make me a courtesy coffee? And I just looked at him, like, first of all, what the hell is a courtesy coffee? <laughs> Which I assume just means free. I guess he just wanted a free coffee. <laughs> and second of all, why are you asking me? I What? What sign did I have on my back that said, I'm here to serve you coffee? Right. Um, so I was really confused, and I just said, no. And he said, isn't there coffee available here? And I said, uh, usually, but not on the weekends. This is a weekend that we're here. And he said, well, could you make me one? And I said, no. <laughs> really laid into that. <laughs> and he said, could you sell me one? <laughs> And I said, I don't work here as staff. Like, I, I have an office space here, but I'm, I'm not, I, that's not what I do. And I walked away and thought, oh, my goodness. Would he have asked one of the other men who were in the lobby to make him coffee? Or was it just that he saw a woman come by and thought, perhaps she's here to serve me coffee? He saw you from across the room. Waved me down. Jogged over to mm-hmm. say, can you make me a coffee? I am just, I can't even. I'm just like rubbing my face. Like, mm-hmm. are you, mm-hmm. sir? It, it brought me back to a time. I know some folks who listen to this were actually present when this happened. So they may laugh when they hear the story. But a couple of years ago, I was chairing a conference. Like, a, a like it was a big deal for me. I was really proud of myself. This was a professional accomplishment. And I was um, organizing things for this conference while it was happening, and someone came up to me and said, um, hi, I'll need a taxi for 3 o'clock. And I just stared at the person and shook my head side to side to indicate <laughs> no, because I couldn't even find the words. I just <laughs> silently did the side to side. did not no. do this. And um, a good friend of mine who I know listens was sitting right there. And when the person walked away, uh, my friend came up to me and he said, there is no way he would ask someone else to do that. He did that because you're a woman. And I just said, you know, these are the moments that people go through, not just women, but people go through where they have to wonder, Mm -hmm. was that because I'm a woman? Was that because I'm much younger than him? Mm Um, was that, who knows, we, we have to just doubt and wonder, is this all in my head? Am I imagining this? And that leads us to the topic for today, which is microaggressions. Microaggressions are these seemingly small, often kind of innocent, 
usually subtle or unintentional things that we say or do that can leave someone with that feeling of, hmm, was that because of the color of my skin that that Mm, just happened? Or was that because of my socioeconomic status? Um, Is that because I have a disability? And when it leaves us with that unclear and uneasy feeling where you're not sure if you were just targeted for your identity or if the thing that happened, you know, really didn't happen the way you imagined it, it it leads to something that is more than just uncomfortable. Research shows that those vague moments where we're not really sure what just happened actually cause us more psychological distress than the explicit overt ones. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. You know, I I just, I feel like it's one of those things where you think, well, it's just, just, nobody meant anything by it. Mm -hmm. They were just, you know, Mm -hmm. silly. They don't understand. uh, Right. You know, just just let it go. Mm -hmm. But like, sometimes microaggressions are, I mean, I can't even imagine that guy. Like, I'm here and I want to go out there. I know. He's probably still here and we're talking about him. Um, But, uh, you know, like. um, I hope he walks by. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We'll just cheers him with our coffee that we purchased. That's true. Actually, that just hit me, Leslie, that we have a whole thing of coffee from Starbucks here (laughs) that I did not offer him. But I'm not going to. I'm too mad. Absolutely not. I'm too mad. But, like, so there's things like that. But there's also things that, like, people don't even realize are. That, 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 like, that guy probably realized after the fact that he's, he made a, a bad choice. But, like, sometimes I don't know. people don't even realize, yeah, yeah maybe not. Um, but sometimes people don't even realize, or they think that they're, they're being helpful, yeah. you know? So, like, I've definitely, you know, had that moment. Like, I feel like at least a couple times a year, somebody comes up to me in a Target or a department store and says, hey, do you know where the X are? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, Kate, because I'm a helpful person who has worked in a setting like that, and you I'm know, like, yes, let me tell you where the women's tank tops are. They're right over here. Have you tried this one? It would look great on you. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no. Well, and this is exactly the thing, though. And, and I'm smiling because when I describe it as like a vague kind of unclear moment, you don't know if you were just targeted because you're a woman and you, they assume you're in a service position mm-hmm. or were you just targeted, and I shouldn't use the word target while we're talking about the store target, <laughs> were you were you um, the focus because you spend so much time in target that you confidently know where everything right. is and you exude that confidence and you have to wonder which was it. And, and that moment of wondering which was it is the thing that causes us distress. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. I mean, it seems like it didn't cause you distress. You were excited. Well, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll just respond to it, and then I'll be like, no, 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 I don't work here. Tough job, and I'm not, not eager to return mm-hmm. to that. No, there is nothing wrong with working in retail or being the person who does serve the coffee. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the assumption that based on who I am, I must be in this category right. that is just so limiting and upsetting. Right. Um, I was sharing this example with you earlier that I, I once led a workshop on microaggressions to a bunch of college students, and um, a, a black student raised his hand and said he's often asked the question, how did you get in here? Oh. Um, and here meaning the school, not the workshop. <laughs> that would have been much worse, I think. But he was he said, I'm, I, people often come up to me. It was a very prestigious school. And he said, people often ask me, oh, you, you go there? How did you get in there? 
And he said to me in the workshop. The front door. <laughs> he said in the workshop, you know, I have to wonder if any white students ever get asked that question. Uh, because, you know, his answer is like, well, the same way everyone else did. Right. I filled out an application and I sent it in and they wrote back and said, you're in. Like, right. And I think it's not that there's anything wrong with you having a scholarship or being a part of a program mm-hmm. that lets you into college. There's nothing wrong with being a part of that. The thing that hurts is the assumption that you must be a part of that. Right. And then the honoring, you know, like, yeah. you know, okay, so, so what, you were a part of a, a program? And so, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, so you're not like us. Yeah. You, you have a special path to get here, right. not the same path. Um, what is the, you know, separate but equal mentality, right? It's a different path, but you got to come to the same school and that is very othering. Um, so I want to walk through some of the, the real challenges with microaggressions. Um, one is, and I think we've talked about this kind of this perceived invisibility, the, the idea that like, it's, it's not concrete. It's not clear. Sometimes it's so subtle. It could just be a tone of voice. Mm. It can be a, a sigh or a way that somebody used a hand gesture that makes you feel like, hmm, I just feel like something just happened here. I don't know how to describe it. I have no evidence. So it's hard to tell people, I was just discriminated against because they're going to say, well, what's your evidence? And you're often left with like, look, I don't have it, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like this happened. It's right. not totally clear. And that perceived or maybe very real invisibility, sure, yeah. um, that makes it really hard to talk about and accept because we often are searching for that concrete evidence. Mm-hmm. Look, I can prove that I was discriminated against. Right. Most of the time you can't. Another one that that is really a big challenge of microaggressions is the perceived minimal harm. Oh, it was just a little thing. It was just a small comment. Mm-hmm. It was so just let it go. No big deal. No no harm done. When in fact we find that there can be a lot of harm done. Yeah. I think those things kind of tend to to sit with you. If someone comes up to me and says, you know, you can't do that because you're a woman, like my cape comes out, not, you know, I'm here, uh, you know, Captain Feminism and whatever. (laughs) Um, And you sort of, it sort of like makes you steeled to it yeah. um, because you've, you've read about this Mm -hmm. and you've been taught about this moment, but what you haven't been taught about is when someone says, Hey, the garbage is full. Oh yeah. And you're like, Oh, right. Okay. So why are you telling me? Yeah. Yeah. Call the. The people that unto the garbage, <laughs> um, and I'm not going to yeah. do that. Or 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 go ahead. You noticed it. Right. Empty it. Uh-huh. Why why are you reporting it and to then, someone? Um, yeah. Yeah. So you you're not you're not your cape isn't out. You're you're not steeled to that moment of you know it just it, later you're sitting there thinking did that person really ask me to mm-hmm. empty the trash can? Like I paid for this conference. Yeah. Just as much as everybody else. Did. Yeah. Or even worse, they didn't ask. They just told you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought of when the person said, I'll need a taxi for three o'clock. Someone said, did, did he just ask you to get a taxi? I said, no, he did not ask me. He just told me. Um, so that actually is a good example, though, that um, several of them that and you just gave. And then you just like find yourself in the shower. The next day or uh, later that night, just being like, all the retorts you should have made, like, wow, that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> this is, so 
I often think of books I want to write. I want to write a book called All the Arguments I Should Have Had (laughs) because I spend so much time replaying conversations in my head and like reworking all the like Mm -hmm. little things I could have said or could have done that would have just been perfect. And that scenario is one I've played out a lot. Oh yeah. I'll I'll, like tell people stories and I'll be like, and then I felt like blah, blah, blah. And they're like, did you say that? I'm like, no, no, I thought of that two hours later. I smiled and nodded. (laughs) But when I took a shower later, it came to me. (laughs) So I ruminated about it for six hours. (laughs) But, but on the topic of, did you bring that up or did you say it or did you call it out? One of the real challenges with microaggressions is what we call this catch-22 of like, okay, something just happened to me and I have every right to speak up about it. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know what the consequences might be if I do. So, you know, if you if you said to the person who, you know, asked for the taxi or told me for, to get a taxi, no, I'm not getting that for you and you shouldn't have told me to do that. Well, I'm the chair of the conference. Like, What's, what's the consequence to me if I speak out that way? I, years ago, was interviewing for a job, uh, I'll just say at a major university, and I was asked a lot of questions that were illegal and totally inappropriate. Really? And I know the career counselor know. was dying. <laughs> well, I won't go through all of them because there were so many, but one question I will never forget, the interviewer asked me, I was probably like 25. She asked me, what do your parents do for a living? Are you kidding? Not kidding. Which can only be a question asking about my social class, right? What? There's no other reason to ask me, what do your mom and dad do for a living? There's there's nothing I can tell her that will tell her what kind of employee I will be that only tells her how I grew up and what my socioeconomic status was. I can't, my jaw is on the floor. What do your mom and dad do for a living? And so I thought to myself, on the one hand, I should just walk out of here. This is a huge red flag. Do I want to work for this person? Right. And on the other hand, not only did I want that job, that was at a time in my life where I needed that job. I didn't just want it. I needed it. And so... I just answered the question and it felt awful. It felt dirty. It felt like I was just promoting classism. Um, It felt sickening, but it's the catch 22. What would have been the consequence to me had I said, that's illegal. You can't ask me that. Or that's inappropriate. You can't ask me that. She asked me if I'm in a relationship, how old I am, um, all sorts of things. It's like a test, like what not to do. All the things you are not supposed to do. And I think that that catch 22 of like, I know she's in the wrong and I know I should not be in this position, but here I am and I don't know what the consequences would be to me. So people often find themselves in that kind of sticky situation. Yeah, it happens. I wish it didn't happen so frequently, but I have to counsel people like you're in an interview and I ask you like, here's a list of questions I can't ask you, but like know that there, there are people that don't know these things. Not that many people are formally trained on how to interview people, mm-hmm. especially if it's a direct manager. Yeah. Um, and like they should be. There should be yes. something. There should be some policy, especially for a major university. Yeah. But you know, this stuff does happen, and then it's sort of like a this is a gut check. Like, mm-hmm. is you know, is this maybe a sign that this is not a healthy place for you, or is this something where it's like, you know, just deal with it for now because you need this. Um, I felt like at least I know what I'm getting myself into (laughs) if I take this job, um, that it's, 
She's showing her Very cards. revealing, yeah. She's showing her cards. So if I get this job and if I take this job, at least I have a heads up and I'm not surprised later when things like this happen again. So I, I, I came up with some example. We already gave a lot of examples, but um, this a lot of these are from like an exercise that I do in a workshop. And I don't mind putting this up on our website. So if anyone wants to kind of complete the exercise, but essentially uh, the exercise poses a bunch of scenarios. And then it asks three questions. What was the possible intention behind what happened? Uh, what is the suggested bias that might be implied here? And then what's the potential impact? So here's the first one. This one says, a man in a wheelchair is coming out of the gym. He gets into a front seat of the car. And when a passerby sees him, this person yells, wait, wait, I'll help you with your door. Mm-hmm. So... What's the possible intention, you think, when that person comes running over? I'll help you. I'll help you. Well, they just want to help. They see somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, you know, has, uses a, a wheelchair and they know that they have their own set of, you know, struggles that are yeah. different than their own. So, you know, I just want to help. I want to make your life easier. Maybe this person was raised to lend a hand. Yeah. And this person is trying to show, look at me. I'm helpful. I'm caring. I'm there for you. What kind of bias do you think it suggests when you run over and try to help someone who's in a wheelchair immediately? That they can't do it themselves and that they need, you know, help. Drives a car, (laughs) came out of a gym. I'm just going to wait here until someone can come close my door? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Somebody will help eventually. I think it suggests that this person who's running over to help maybe assumes this person is helpless. And then what's the potential impact, you think, on the person who's getting into the car? Any idea? I mean take away that person's sense of agency almost. yeah like it's like disempowering yeah. and kind of defeating like look at me I got myself here I went to the gym which is hard for a lot of people wheelchair or not mm-hmm. and I'm trying to go home and I'm left feeling like helpless and needy yeah I mean and I know like again that person is just trying to help mm-hmm. um you know and if you're working with somebody that you know or you're like working with around them or interacting with them, you know, you might just want to like help you. Like, I know your life is like hard in a way I can't possibly comprehend. So like, let me make things easier, but maybe try to like make things easier for everybody. And that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, like change the environment, you know, if you're sitting at a table and you want to get up and get seconds from a buffet and Mm -hmm. you say, Hey, can I grab a plate for anybody? Yeah. You know, this one just came to me. I don't have this on the handout, but I, I'm sort of retired from running, but I used to do long distance running. And I noticed that when I was in a race and there were crowds on the side watching and cheering, they would cheer really loud for some people mm-hmm. and not all people. Um, and like you'd notice the crowd get really loud if they saw like an elderly person running or an overweight person mm-hmm. running. Um, and I, again, I think that comes from such a good place of like, I want to support this person and I want to be encouraging and there's nothing, I don't think there's any cruel intention behind it. Yet that person may end up feeling singled out yeah. and like folks just had low expectations of yeah. them and they're surprised that they're able to be active. And I've always felt kind of strange about that. Yeah. Yeah, leave me alone and let me run this race. I and I, I feel like it would just be this constant reminder every right, mile yeah. that people don't think I can do this. Yeah. Um, that that people are surprised I'm here. Right. And I think 
that would, I've never been the victim of that, but I, I've watched it and often cringed and thought this poor person knows we're all clapping because we didn't think you could do it. Right. And I just hate that feeling. Uh, anyway, that one just came to me. Uh, one I have from this exercise is um, like, imagine like a group project, a bunch of students in a classroom and one student asks another student who is an Asian American, uh, what country are you from? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes the answer to that question mm-hmm. is like, oh, well, I'm I'm from New Jersey. And very often. Where are you from? Yeah, no, 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 not, not that. Like, where are you from? And, you know, okay, let's start with what's, what is the possible intention behind that? You know, maybe that person is just trying to get to know them. Yeah. I think the the possible, we're, we're guessing here. I mean, these are imaginary scenarios anyway, but I think the possible intention is I want to get to know you. Maybe I'd like to be your friend. Maybe I'd like to engage you in the group and help you feel welcome right. here. This is something that you want to share. Okay. Then what's the, the suggested bias um, that might exist? And I don't mean to be like quizzing you. No, no, no. Yeah. So <laughs> the suggested bias, when you say to someone, no, 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 I don't mean... Where do you live now? I mean, where are you from? I mean, that they're, the bias is that their experiences are other and different and that yeah. they're maybe not um, American. Yeah. You know, you're maybe you're not from here. Maybe your parents aren't from here. Maybe you're fourth generation. But, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're not a white American. You're less American than yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, I think the bias is I assume people who are not white um, – uh, are are foreign and less USA than me, mm-hmm. and the potential impact. Then I think maybe we said it, but if you want to add anything, oh, that's a pretty bad feeling. Like, yeah, it's alienating. Yeah, and a lot of times it's people that are just trying to make conversation. Yeah, you know, I think it's making like the person's not going to get that that question back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to run something by you. Yeah. So. I think people know me, and they probably would say this about you as well, to be someone who's really interested in uh, women's rights, women equ- women's equity. Um, I identify as a feminist. And I have a friend who likes to, he likes to send me articles about, like, the oppression of women or, like, bad things that have happened to women, inequities. And it's pretty constant. Um, maybe I might be exaggerating if I say every day, but nearly that kind of frequency, I get a text message with an article that's like, you know, this woman was fired when she was pregnant. And it's like this theme. Unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, that is, that is not my question. (laughs) My question is like, maybe I don't know what my question is, but it leaves me with this this uneasy feeling like I'm being targeted somehow. Mm -hmm. And I think he's trying to send me this message of like, I'm one of the good ones, Kate. I think he's trying to carve himself out as like, not a bad guy. And every time he does it, it feels like a little sting, like a little, like he wants me to go, Oh wow. Thank you. You're so great. Or like you're not going to come across that stuff on your own. Or like, I don't know that people get fired unfairly right. and like are paid less for the same work. Right. And, um, and I also, frankly, just practically speaking, don't have time to read all these articles. No. So usually I say something like, thanks, I'll read it later. And I don't get around to it before he sends me another one. <laughs> 
And the sense I get is he's trying to paint himself as an ally, but in the process, it feels like I'm getting um, kind of uh, like thrown it's like in you're like the pigeonhole mascot or something. Like yeah, and it, that's not the right word. it also I think takes away my ability to ever challenge him on mm. sexism because yeah. because he's the guy who sent me all those articles so surely he can't ever be sexist <laughs> and a little part of me wants to be like no dude sometimes you might be and like that's that's fine everybody has moments but mm-hmm. like I you're not erasing or, or like absolving yourself yeah. Yeah. of all responsibility because you read you know HuffPo women like right. you know that does not absolve you no um and so I, I, I find it like a little burn or a little sting every time he does it. And I want to be like, yay, good for you. You're not an asshole. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like, know. It doesn't feel sticker. good. Yeah. It's like he needs this constant reassurance that he's not offensive. I think when you need constant reassurance that you're not offensive, you end up being offensive. No. Anyway, I guess I didn't ask a question. I just told you about that. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that story with me. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm almost afraid to look at my phone because it's probably, I'm probably due for another article. Um, all right. Listeners, I know this is a lot to think about. Um, and I know that we already live in a world where people are feeling kind of nervous to speak at times mm-hmm. and um, I hear things like we're too politically correct and everybody's too sensitive and stop being a snowflake. Fine. So anyway, I'm bringing this up to say, I know that it can be challenging. I know that the world is complicated and I know everyone's afraid of hurting others. In fact, I assume that's why you listen to the podcast is that you don't want to cause right, harm. Right. Um, and so I don't think Leslie or I are saying, listen, you've got to get this right all the time or you're a bad person. Yeah. I, I actually assume we will all, and, and us, we're included in mm-hmm. that, we will all have moments where we commit the microaggression. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's more important that when someone says that to you, like, hey, you know, that, that kind of hurt me or that that didn't feel good, that you keep an open mind and be willing to just say, I'm sorry, because it ends up being just another microaggression when mm-hmm. you say, no, 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 you heard that wrong. That's micro-invalidation. Mm. So if you've already micro-insulted someone, <laughs> don't micro-invalidate them by saying, no, no, you that's in your head. You're paranoid. Just say, I'm really sorry. I'm going to give some thought to that. I didn't I didn't mean any harm, right. um, but I, I'm going to try to be better next time. Right, right. I led a meeting once at a college, and at the end of the meeting, I felt really good about the meeting. Someone came up to me at the end of it and shook my hand and said, you know, you're a smart cookie. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, well, I work here. <laughs> like, I don't know. Thank you. I know. You, it's the element of surprise that is offensive. Yeah, yeah. It's not that you called me what smart. Did you expect? Yeah, I, I am smart. Thank you. But it's the tone of voice that conveys surprise that becomes the microaggression. Yeah. If somebody just said, oh, Kate's really smart, fine. But if someone said, you know, I met that Kate Watson and, uh, huh. She's kind of smart. Yeah. Well, that becomes hurtful now because you didn't think that I would be. Yeah. It, the rest of that sentence is, you're a smart cookie. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. For someone your age yeah. or your gender. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, or whatever the case may be. Instead of microaggressions, just buy them a micro <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Good. All right. Take me in your eyes.
since that day I live in a dream.